0: Uh, We are going to continue our series, and this is the last one. I swear, guys. This is week five of a five-week series, which is hard, Uh, but what we're doing with this series is we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, and specifically the the Matthew uh, version of that. And so let me, we have some new people here, let me just kind of give you a, a background. We have been going chunk by chunk through the Lord's Prayer. Every week we take another like section, and then I do a whole lesson on just that one little thing. And so the first one was, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Just that, Father, heaven, hallowed. What does that mean? And really like kind of expanding and expounding on that. Making it mean something more to our hearts. And then it was, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's where we get the title of the series. And then, we did a whole lesson on daily bread. And I love that lesson, and I would encourage you to go back and, and, and listen to that. And then last week, we talked about forgiveness. Forgive our trespasses, or our debts, or our sins, as we forgive those. And super convicting, uh, somewhat scary lesson on forgiveness. And so, uh, let's, let's read the whole thing real quick, and then we'll get to what we're going to talk about today. Matthew 6, starting in verse 9, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And the thing that I've been saying this whole series is that if you're like me who, who grew up in church and I have said this, I've visited churches where we recite it and and the problem that I experienced in my heart was that I can say this in the background, like a background app in the, in the background of my my computer like I can, I can recite this and never think about it. And the way that we interpret this for me at least, I'm just going to be honest. For me, the way way I interpret interpret this is it's 100% external to me. It's like, God, you're good and do good things and help me, but it doesn't ask anything of me. It doesn't require anything from me. I can pray this and then walk away and I feel a little better, but I don't, I'm not challenged to do anything or change anything or and, and so, so what, what I've been doing is I've actually been, been turning every, every single, single section of this into something that actually asks me to do something. And, and I don't, don't want this prayer. This, this is an amazing prayer. prayer. This, this is, is Jesus' prayer, prayer teaching the disciples.
1: So, so I'm not, like, like minimizing this. this.
0: What, what I want, I want, I want us to, to do is catch up to the heart of Jesus when he said it. I don't think Jesus was like, my God in have a will you doing Like, he didn't mumble this. Like, he meant some stuff when he said it. And I don't, don't want, want it to become, become meaningless to us. Is, is there a way to make, make a meaningless prayer mean something again? And that's what we've been doing this whole month. And so this is what we're going to talk about today. And I am just, just going to apologize now and to everyone at home. If There's a lot. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff here. I'm going to try to go quick. But this is where we, we wrap it up. And so, this is what we're talking about. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I'm just going to get this out of the way. There is, some, there is some theological debate about the evil one, or just evil, or whatever. We're going to not have a lesson on what is the evil one, or any of that. We're, we're going to focus on temptation and God's deliverance. Amen. That's good. But we're not going to get into a, you know, this isn't a lesson necessarily about Satan. And so, here's where I want to start us though. Because if you're like me and you've, you've said this prayer a bunch of times, you may have made the same mistake that I made my whole life until I really slowed down and thought about these words. Because the question I have for us is, are we asking God to lead us or are we asking God to lead us not? And that might sound very strange. But... Jesus says, lead us not into temptation. And then the question is, are we asking God to not lead us into temptation? Or are we beseeching God? Are we asking God to lead us just not into temptation? And that's a very nuanced thing. You might be like, it's splitting hairs, and I'm I'm fine with that. But that's my question. At the very bottom level of this prayer, are we asking God to lead us but then we're saying, but not into temptation. Or, if you're like the way I always prayed it, are we asking God, don't lead us? <laughs> and you might be like, well, I've never actually prayed that. I've never actually said to God, God, don't lead us. Don't lead me. But I can, if I'm being honest, I have, I have thought that many times. That's the, like, I'm cool, you're cool, stay out of my business type prayer. And so, that's where I want us to start with is this prayer, at its very core, a plea for God to lead us along this journey of life while keeping an eye on the path that is temptation? And so, I've got three points about uh, temptation. The first one is the temptation is not a test. And this kind of gets to the whole lead us thing. Like, we know that we serve a God, if you, if you read your Bible, You will see, you can't not see a God that puts his family, his kids, his people through some stuff sometimes. And it's not always comfy. And so here's just like a smattering, an assortment of scriptures where God knows our hearts, he tests our hearts, he leads people through the wilderness, he leads people through times of testing, times of trials. And this is the God we serve. And so this is why I say, like, we need to pray this prayer as asking, like, God, lead me, just like you've led your people. Lead me. But we we can't confuse temptations with the tests and the trials. And so when Jesus prays, lead us, he's echoing back to a long tradition throughout the Old Testament, reminders that God is a father that leads his people. And he is leading us, you, me, us collectively. He's leading us through life, and it's going to encounter from time to time, you're going to encounter things that are trials and tests and things that are very hard. And we have to be careful to think that those things are, you know, temptations or bad or sinful or anything like that. And so here's here's James. And I'm gonna give you a little snapshot now and then we're going to come back to this scripture but James 1 says when tempted no one should say that god is tempting me for god cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone and so now we find we're starting to like make this clear like okay James is clearly saying the temptation is real but we have to draw a line between that and like what god is doing to us And to be totally honest, you're not going to know always. You're not going to, when you are experiencing something that's hard, you might might feel the pull to give into your flesh and sin. And so you might be like, oh, is this a temptation? But that pull is there even when God is doing good things in your life. Even when God is trying to help you men, when God is trying to help you be self-controlled, how do, we, how do we grow in our self-control if we never get the opportunity to deny ourselves anything? Right? And so, but when, but when that happens, when there's some external thing that's like, man, I can choose to deny myself and please God, or I can choose to gratify my flesh, we can't say, well, God put me, you know, God is tempting me. That's what James is talking about, okay? God leading us through life is not the same as temptation. And here's another scripture. Paul says to the Thessalonian church in 1 Thessalonians 3.2, we sent Timothy who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. And so, what Paul is telling the the Thessalonian church is, if you sign up for the life of a Christian, if you sign up for a life in the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, you are going to be destined for things that are not easy. Like you, and and his whole thing. Don't be surprised when they happen. And I think, guys, if I could, if I could impart on our church one lesson it would be that like if i could if i could hardwire something into your brain it would be don't be surprised when life throws you just like a crazy curveball or a soul crushing amount of pain or what seems like a defeat like this is what we signed up for if we say Jesus is Lord Not my comfort is Lord Not the plan I have laid out for my life is Lord Jesus is Lord and everything else is going to have to be At some point is going to have to give on that And so Paul's just saying don't, I don't want you to be unsettled by these trials When they come you should be like that. Nah, there it is I was waiting for the next trial and here it is Let's do this well, And that's the, op- that's the attitude we need to have Looking, like, man, what is the next thing that God is going to use to refine my character? To help me see that his provision is all I need. To help me see, like, I don't need anything else other than him. What's he going to do to maybe strip away some of my comfort in this world? And when that happens, I'm not going to be like, God, how dare you? And be like, ah, I recognize it. I'm not going to be unsettled by it. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And yet, our quest, my question for us is, do we recognize our trials and our tests? And I think we're going to talk about temptation, but I have to separate them from this, because this is important. If we go through life and we never, we never recognize trials as trials and tests as tests from the Lord for our benefit, they're always going to seem like temptation. They're always going to seem like, man, I just... I can't shake the sin that is in my heart. I get put in a situation, and I just act on it, and that's all I know how to do. It's because we're not recognizing that God is working through that stuff. It might be the most important key to maturity as a Christian. If you can't start to see trials as, as trials and tests as tests, you're going to stay in a level of immaturity forever. And that is not what I want. Immature people reject training. And we know that from any other worldly endeavor. If you you went to the Olympics and there was a guy that showed up and he's like, yeah, I should run. I haven't trained for anything. You'd be like, who's this loser? You don't even deserve to be here. If you, if you started a job and there's a guy that shows up and he's like, yeah, I didn't have an internship. I don't have any experience. I never went to you know, school for this major. Like, I, I just, I, I'm pretty sure I can figure it out as I go along. People are going to be like, you have not been trained. You are, you are immature. Immature people reject training. And when immature people are trained, they see it as punishment. And woe to us if we put that all on God. Mature people can't get enough of it. Mature people are looking for it. But is that us? God wants to train you, grow you, and develop you into a strong, powerful, world-changing person. But do we just push him away and say, no, thank you? That will never happen if we keep fighting him. Every step of the way we are destined for these things And so, so that leads me to now, now we're going to talk about temptation. temptation and I I have to be careful here because this is another mistake We make all the time temptation is not sin Okay, and We are We are, we are not good at this When we are tempted and we're going to talk about that here in a bit. when we are tempted it makes us, the temptation in our heart, the fact that we're thinking about these things, the fact that maybe we're like dwelling on these things a little too much, that has the same effect as if we acted on them in our, like, man, it makes us feel dirty. It makes us feel bad on some level. And so then, we're not, then that comes with shame.
1: And then that comes with
0: we don't talk about it. And, if, and I want us to realize that temptation is not sin. There is a difference here, and that That is so empowering if we let it empower us. And so so here's what James says. This is where we started. When tempted, no one should say, God God is tempting me. For God God cannot be be tempted by evil, evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But But each person person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full-grown, gives birth to death. So, so this does, does not minimize, minimize sin in any way, right? When, when it's full-grown, it gives birth to death. But it also, it also puts like this gap between sin and the junk that we have inside of us, guys. We, I am fully okay with us, with like the, the craziness of being a human being. And we all have some dark corners of our heart. And if you don't, my guess is you're not self-aware enough to have looked in those corners. Or you're just really good about being open about them all. But every single one of us has something that we're like, man, if people knew this about me, like this, I think about this, or I've, I've thought about this, or I've you know, fantasized about this, or I've, I've dwelt on this, like, man, they wouldn't want to be my friends. They wouldn't, they wouldn't want to be near me because they would think less of me. And then that, that uh, plays into some, some very bad interpersonal relationships. And so clinically, there's this idea, uh, there's this, this name uh, for things that like, come into our head. I wish Jacob was here. I would tell everybody to like, talk to Jacob about it, the, the neuropsychologist. But intrusive thoughts, bad thinking, thoughts that maybe you don't have a hundred percent control over this is a normal part of being a person has anyone has anyone ever had something pop into your head that you're like wow that was dark and i don't know where that came from (laughs) thank you for being honest yes (laughs) we all have you've had something that you're like woo man if i just said i'm glad i didn't say that out loud i'm glad i have a filter because if i said it out loud people think this guy's crazy but I remember, and, it, and it, goes, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that to like, it starts manifesting. And I remember, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get vulnerable here for a second, okay? When I was a kid, I, I would have these thoughts that I just could not shake. And they weren't bad, they weren't violent, they were it was a very strange thoughts. One of the ones that used to plague me was, um, I don't know, I loved geometry. Geometry was my favorite subject in math all throughout school but I remember like, seeing something in the news about like, a laser hitting a mirror, and they, it could like, bounce off there, and, and you could see it. They sprayed the mist, and you could see this beam. And I was like, when? I asked my dad, like, when does the laser beam end? And he's like, it just doesn't, it just keeps going forever. And I don't know how this got into my head, but I remember sitting in class, and I remember thinking, like, well, if I bounce a laser beam like, at that wall right there, what's it gonna do? And well, that wall's facing me, so it's going to bounce back. I was like, but if I did like this, now it's now it like go over there, and then oh my gosh, that wall's at a different angle. Where's it going to go? Like, it might go over here, and then what if it, then it's going to go up in there, and it's going to bounce. And I literally, guys, I'm I'm am like stunned in my class thinking about like filling up this room with laser beams, and I couldn't I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I would love to say that like, my teacher was like, Ben, are you okay? And I'd be like, oh yeah, let's snap out of it. Like, I, I had this thought like, all through, I don't know, my 20s and 30s, like, I, I was a grown man, and I still would think like, man, if everything in this room was like, 100% reflective and you just shined a laser beam, like, what would it look like? It would be crazy. It would just keep bouncing around forever. And I'd be like, man, that would be so, so nuts. But I couldn't, once I started thinking about it, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And that's totally benign. That's not going to ruin anyone's life, and it's not going to lead me into some violent behavior or anything like that. But, and I'm, I'm glad he's not here, but Freddie, my son, my youngest son, I, I got a glimpse that he was being plagued with certain thoughts, and he didn't know, as a, as a little boy. And he didn't know what was happening in his brain. And I remember him crying going to bed one night, and he's like, I just wish I could stop thinking these things. And all I could say is, like, you're not weird. You're totally normal. We all have something in us that if, you know, if we, if we said it out loud, people would think, that's crazy. If you ever saw the movie The Aviator with Leonardo DiCaprio based on the life of Howard Hughes, he had a lot of issues. And, and yet, back then, they had no name for anything that he was dealing with. And a lot of people now think, man, Howard Hughes was like such, a, he was such a, a strong man and a controlling man and self-disciplined man that if he had just been able to put a label on it and be like, this is what I'm dealing with, it would have removed so much power from his life. And yet it completely took him over. And there was a funny interview with Leonardo DiCaprio where he's a, a, a journalist, is interviewing him about the movie. And Leonardo, and, he, and the journalist says, so do you have anything like that you think about? Like, is there anything that, like what's your like skeleton in your closet mentally? And like, is there anything that you think about that if you said people would think you're crazy? And he's like, yeah, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> Cause I'm a celebrity and that would be the headlines. Like we all have this, I'm just gonna keep my mouth shut. And I'm not gonna tell you about it. And, and yet there's this stigma. And this isn't a lesson on mental health, but we're going to pull this into spiritual things. There is a stigma around being honest and being open about what is going on inside of you. And that leads me to this. This is a great quote. The Imp of the Mind is a paper that uh, Dr. Lee Baer wrote. Not only are these bad thoughts universal among all humans today, but they have almost certainly always been a part of the human condition, at least since man first developed language and then rules to govern appropriate behavior in groups. Guys, if you have something inside your heart or inside your mind that you're like, man, I wish this wasn't there, you are not weird. It would be weird if you never had anything like that. And Jesus himself, went through all of those things. In Hebrews two seventeen. for this reason, he had to be made like them, meaning us. Jesus had to be made like us, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. And so I, just for fun, I've thought like, well, what, were, what if he suffered in every way like us, like, like what did he struggle with? Like did he, Did Jesus? did Jesus, was he insecure because of the way he looked? I would say, sure, why not? Did Jesus struggle with like, man, I don't know if people like me or if people are listening to the things I'm saying. Did he struggle with, like, man, this guy is making me so mad. I want to, like, call down some, like, curses on him. But we, we don't think of Jesus as being just like us. And so we are trying to be less like, like us in that way. And so all I want to say about this is the, the number one way to keep temptation from taking root in our heart and turning into sin is to talk about it. It's just to be honest about the things that we're feeling. And so, um, I hope this is okay and good company, but uh, I remember talking to a young man, and he was, uh, he was really str- struggling in terms of like sexual purity. And he's just like, man, I keep like, I can't, I can't do what I know God wants me to do, and you know, my, my conversation wasn't about like how awful he was or how dumb he was or how like bad of a Christian he was. All I asked him to do was like, well, the next time that you feel this thing, can you talk to someone? Can you tell someone? And I even said like, call me when you are going through these temptations. Or at the very least, text me. And I remember getting a text one morning, because I turned my phone off at night, so I didn't get it at night. But I got a text the next morning, and it was like, I'm out with friends, this isn't very good company, can you please ask me about this tomorrow? And I was like, that is one of the most mature things I've ever seen a young man do. Like, that's amazing. can you be honest and open? And this might be one of the most important factors to overcoming sin in our life. Giving it less power. Killing the fear of talking about thoughts and desires before you act on them. And I just want you guys to know, there are some mature Christians in this room, and we have seen it all. (laughs) You are not gonna. <laughs> you are not going to come and be honest and open about something you're feeling, and, me, and I'm gonna go. Are you serious? That's the worst thing I've ever heard. You're horrible. I'm gonna be like, yep, been there. We've all been there. You're not. You're not unique. <laughs> like, well, I know we all want to be unique and like loved and special, but guys, you're not that special. You're not so special that God, like, that Satan needs to, like, invent a new way to attack you. Like, oh, man, all my old tricks, they just don't work on this guy. I'm going to come up with something new. And then he's going to launch this, like, brand-new, unique attack because you're so spiritual. That's not how it works. We're all tempted with the same things over and over and over again. And the problem is, when you have something in your head or in your heart, you think, if I tell someone... They're gonna hate me, or they're gonna think I'm bad, or they're gonna like tell me I can't come to church anymore. That's never gonna happen. No one is going to get kicked out of church for being honest about some sort of temptation. But here's the problem: we keep everything to ourselves, we give it power over us, and it grows. It gives birth to sin, it gives birth to death. And so that is what I want to say about temptation. It is not sin. We can talk about our temptations. We can say, man, this is what I'm feeling. And it doesn't matter how bad it is. You can say it. All right. Last one. I do want us to know that temptation can be overcome. Like, if you are undergoing temptation in your life, it does not automatically have mastery over you. It does not automatically have control over you. You can say, hey, I'm... I I want want to do do this, this, I'm not going to do it. As simple as that. Well, it's It's not as simple. As simple as that, but that's way hard. (laughs) I want to do this, but I'm not going to do it. And so, let's go back here in 1 Corinthians 10. This is Paul talking to a church that is pretty messed up. He says, So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you, or seized you, depending on your translation no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. That's that. You're not special. Everything that's happened to you has happened to everyone else. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, This is gonna be a little side point, okay? So this is like point three, sub point A or whatever. (sighs) We have done some weird things to this scripture. God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. I think I did a midweek lesson on this last year. What is that saying and what is it not saying, okay? So what we have done is we have turned that into, God will never let me go through something I can't handle. You've probably thought that, or said something like that, or gotten you know an Instagram post that said something like that. And I just want to contrast that. So this is what it says, God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. We can endure temptation. But let's set that aside. That same word, endure, the Greek word there, that, that same word is used in another scripture, literally just in the very next letter. And this is what Paul says We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself and so paul the guy who said god is faithful he'll give you a way out then in the next letter he says yeah we we were put in a situation that we couldn't even handle and there was no way out and so this is where we have to be very careful What what is paul saying what is paul not saying when it comes to the, the hardships of life. Has anyone had a hard life? Yeah, none of us have. Exactly. We've all had totally easy like skate free life. Like when you have, when you go through the hardships of life, there are going to be times where this is what you feel. Like this is beyond my ability to even endure this. I'm despairing even of my life. And to think to, to be in that situation and be like God you said I you're never gonna give me something I can't handle God would say that's not what I said I said you're gonna go through stuff that you can't handle Paul goes on I don't have it but Paul goes on in 2nd Corinthians 1 to say so that we would rely on God he will put you in situations that you can't handle but those situations will never The only way out is never sin. That's this one. So this is where we have to think about overcoming sin. Like, yes, you are gonna go through some hard times. If you haven't been through hard times, I feel so bad for you because hard times are coming. Like even like our kids. I'm like, man, I don't want all the stuff that happened to me to happen to you, and I know it's going to. And it breaks my heart, but just know you're gonna be put in things where I can't, you can't overcome, like you can't endure it without relying on God. But this, but what God, what Paul is saying here is that God is faithful. He's never gonna put you in a situation where the only option is sin. There's always other options. Paul goes on to say: indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. And so, the strange way I worded this is just this. Do I sometimes see sin as the only option? And again, let me just say, because we're good churchy folk and we're here in church and you're using your church brain right now, you're going to say, no, of course not. But, But we do. Do I sometimes see sin as the only option? Do I get so overwhelmed in my spirit that I'm like, man, I deserve this? Oh, that, yeah, I've said that to myself. Do I ever get to the point where I'm like, I'm I'm done, I'm done with living righteously? Do I sometimes see sin as the only option? My hope is that no matter what we're going through, if we can see, like, man, there are things that God's going to put us through to refine us, to change us, to... He's leading us. And sometimes that leading us is going to go down tests and trials, and it's going, to be, it's going to be bad. It's going to not feel good. But, knowing that, I have a tool. And that is to be honest and open about what I'm feeling. And say, hey, this is what I want to do right now. And tell people who are strong in my life. And I guarantee you, if you understand trials and tests, If you can learn how to get open about your temptations you'll probably never be in this situation you'll probably never feel like I have no other option but to gratify my flesh right now and so this is where we're gonna end it what I've been doing every week is taking that chunk of prayer taking that one like little line or just a few words and I've been rewriting it and I'm gonna talk about why in a little bit but I'm going to go back through all, all the things that I rewrote, okay? And so, because I can say this prayer without thinking about it, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to think about it. And so here's, here's the Lord's Prayer, section by section, the way that I told you guys that week. And it's small, so I'm, I'm apologizing. Loving Dad and Father, I want to be in your presence now and in the age to come. I want your name to be glorified and magnified in my heart and in the hearts of all people everywhere. Use me so that my life lifts your name. I want to live here under your reign. I want to live here as if you are here with me in all your glory. I want that attitude to spread around the earth till this place looks the way you want it to. Lord, you are the sole provider who sustains every part of my life. Help me be content with your provision. You give everything I need, and I don't need more than you give. Help me not require more possessions to be joyful. God, I always need you to heal our relationship as a father and child. Help me search my heart For any other brothers or sisters that need reconciliation. And I am declaring boldly that I don't deserve forgiveness if I am unwilling to forgive others. And then here's today's. And Father, I want you to lead me. Lead me down paths that include tests and trials. Help me always remember how strong you made me. Sin is never the only choice. With you, I can resist evil. With you, I can bring goodness into the world. So this is, this is an exercise that I did. I, if you were at the midweek a couple weeks ago where we I rewrote the prayer in Philippians. And we talked very clearly, like it's good to just read biblical prayers and just let them soak in. This is another exercise where you rewrite a prayer in something that like hits you in the gut. Now, I'm not rewriting the Bible here, guys. What, what I am saying is, if you ever get to a place where something in the Bible is meaningless to you, that's a problem. And my fear is that the Lord's Prayer is something that can become meaningless. And so now, because I've done this exercise and I read this a lot, now when I read the way it's written in the Bible, it means this. Which is my my hope, my, my desire is that's closer to what Jesus meant than the way that I just recite it blindly and numbly and without thinking about it. And so, I would encourage you, if there's, if there's any part in the Bible that has kind of like lost some of its impact on you, get different versions, get different translations. Try rewriting it. Talk to someone about it. Like, I want, I want this Word, I want the Word of God to have power in my life. I want it to hit me. And that is why we, I do this exercise. So, I'm super glad we were able to go on this journey, this five-week journey. My hope is that we're able to shift our perspective on a few things that maybe, if we're, if we're honest and we're open, that we've heard our whole life and, and we need it to be made new. And so, we're going to leave and we're going we're to go back to life as a human being in the world. And it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's scary, it's terrifying, and it's full, filled with pain. But Some of that is going to be a test and a trial that God is using to refine your character. Some of that is going to come from our own evil desires. And we have to be aware enough of what's going on inside us where we can say, this is what I'm going to embrace. I'm going to embrace the training that God is trying to give me, and I'm going to reject these things that are trying to come up from my heart. My prayer is that we start to see them when they are happening, the tests and the trials. Our prayer is that we can talk about our temptations and not be afraid, not feel ashamed of the things that we're going through. And that we can trust how strong God made us when we partner with him. Amen? Guys, that is all I have for you today. And at that, Alex Montgomery is going to do our communion meditation. Come on up, Alex.